Welcome to the Advisor Talk podcast channel. This is Nick Stewart, CEO and Financial Advisor at Stewart Group. If you're new to the show, Stewart Group is a CFEX certified financial planning and advisory firm serving clients throughout New Zealand with offices in Hawke's Bay and Wellington. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge. My pleasure, as always, to have in the studio the CEO of the Stewart Group from right here in Hastings, Nick Stewart. How you going, Nick? Great. Good to be back. Good, Good to, to be, be back. back. Good to be back. That means you've been away. What have you been up to? Um, I've been on, I went. I attended two conferences in North America and also went on a study tour visiting um, uh, financial advisory wealth management firms in Toronto, Ottawa, and in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And so I've been away for 14 days, came back on Sunday, and... Um, it was just sort of been three years since I'd been overseas at any form of, you know, mm. like um, educational training. We'd do, we've been doing webinars, Zoom calls, Teams <laughs> meetings, yes. but there is nothing like catching up with colleagues right. and sharing ideas, experiences, learnings together. And it's just, it was just amazing. And, you know, because people said, well, what was the takeout? And I said, well, the key kind of takeout is that. The rest of the world's kind of moved on. Mm. When I flew over, I flew over a day early, so I, I, you know, walked the streets of Toronto, just having a look around, and you know there were no boarded up shops. Yep. It was vibrant. Mm-hmm. It was energetic. Yes, there was the occasional person wearing a mask, but people wore masks a decade ago as well when they had the flu. But yeah, it was just it was awesome. Whereas you know you walk down Cuba Street, and you know one in every three shops is boarded up and vacant. Yeah. And it was so it was a very it was very contrasting. So at every every city that I went to, they were all the same, vibrant, absolutely humming. So it was refreshing. It was it was really it was. uplifting. Yep. I wonder what you put that down to though, because I mean, even listening to the news this morning, it would seem that the markets are tanking as we speak, almost. Um, but are they tanking not as badly as we're tanking, or what's happening to okay. us? Let's always remember that there is a disconnect between what is happening in the markets versus what's happening on the ground. Okay, so at the moment, you and I, you know, we the sun rises in the morning and goes down in the evening, and you know, we get three square meals a day, and life's pretty good, mm. and we're living in Hawke's Bay in spring. And, you know, it's going to be Labor Weekend, and then people are going to you know, be like, Ken, you're going to be getting your budgie smugglers out, <laughs> ready to hit the surf at Tiawonga. Yeah. I mean, you know, life's pretty good. But when you think about markets and financial markets like bonds, equities, um, and real estate, they effectively, a stock price today is a compilation of all of the future forward-looking expected returns. So what you've happened had happened over the last week, the United Kingdom has been mm. in the press for a very Thatcherite Ronald Reagan approach by Liz Truss, which is to lower taxation quite considerably, mm. like phenomenally, with the expectation that growth will come. Effectively, a mass stimulus program mm. over a period of time by just lifting the burden off um, those that earn, 
and those corporations that earn and allowing them to keep more of their cash which they will redeploy either to give in distributions, pay their staff more or invest more into their business. But what's happened as a result of doing that, the revenue service is going to collect less tax, which has meant that the appetite for UK assets has declined. And that happens so quickly that you've you've seen this kind of ripple effect around the world where it's given people a bit of a shock. And it's that whole thing that markets don't like surprises. No. So again, so that kind of disconnect between what's happening on the ground versus what's happening in the markets. Because if you're in London today, um, you know, enjoying a pint mm. or enjoying a warm, non-fizzy, hand-pulled ale, yep. yes. do you think when you look outside, not much has changed? But the fact is that markets have gone to hell in the handbasket yep. because of the fact that a um, seismic shock happened and caught the market by surprise. Markets don't like surprises. No. Is that a short-term win-lose scenario? I mean, it's, a, it's obviously a win for the people that are going to pay uh, less tax, but it's a big lose for the government, isn't it? They're yeah, not getting it, the revenue. Yeah, it is. But you've also had fiscal creep over a considerably long period of time across you know, political parties and governments mm. of all different colours, and the share of GDP that is the government has been increasing for a long period of time. So this kind of just takes it back a peg. You know, under under Thatcher and Reagan, their mm. kind of policies were incredibly um, stimulating for the economy. In fact, I recall reading that that kind of Reagan era was the only time that the share of government as a percentage of GDP remained static. Mm. Every other every other um, president it has um, increased. So trust has taken that kind of Reagan Thatcher approach. Hoping that it will work. Hopefully, it does grow the yep. UK economy a little bit faster. Even her own party are a little bit uh, nervy about it, though, aren't they? Yeah, well, um, they're going to have a general election at some point, and uh, <laughs> you know, people vote at the ballot box on how they feel, and often it's not how they, it's not often how they feel today. It's kind of, it's a whole spread of things on how people vote. They think about the living experience they've just had, which is COVID how they feel today in terms of the pinch on the pocket, in terms of the um, cost of living, and then they go, do I actually want to be here? Mm. In other words, you know, like, what is it going to be, you know, living in this nation going forward? So a lot of things people think about at the ballot box. Yeah. And and so those conservative parliamentarians will be thinking, hey, is this a vote winner, or am I going to possibly not retain my seat? (laughs) <laughs> is, is that what we need to do here? Because I, was, I think it was an ASB report I was mm. reading, reading last week that uh, the average family is mm. going to need to find $110 a week just to stay where they are. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, look, the figures are bandied around in these different figures across different jurisdictions, and whatever one person says will, will be you know, yeah. possibly not right or wrong. You know, it's that Goldilocks effect. We all know that it's a considerable amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people don't have that money. So if you're of the centre-right mentality, you would say, no, we need to grow the economy and increase increase wages and productivity output of the economy so we can lift ourselves out of this. If you're of the kind of centre-left persuasion, you're like, no, the government can provide um, some relief in the form of transfer credits. Mm. It's just a question of whatever you you, know, yeah. you want to believe in. But overall, we really do need to grow the pie yeah. and... To, to grow the pie, we just need to be more productive as a nation. Yeah. Because, uh, look, this is, there, there are people hurting out there. It's expensive. You only have to think about if you had you know, a million-dollar million mortgage, 
that mm. was fixed at 2.99%. It's now rolling off, and it's going to be floating at near on six. Mm. You're in trouble. Well, it's 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 sobering, and it makes you think. You go, you know, maybe we might just eat in on Friday night. We won't go and spend some money out. It it just changes how people think. It yeah. is, and uh, but that's part of that cycle, isn't it? I mean, we, we could probably talk. Let's we could just bring that number in every seven years. We could have the same conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had talked about that seven years ago. Yeah, yeah, we could have. And it's interesting thinking about the cycle. And you know, one of the things I'd quite like to have a chat today on this show is the you know the exodus of people that are going to Australia. Mm. And we're seeing that it appears that there's quite a flow of people where there was this kind of pent up, pent up demand of people who were wanting to leave. Mm. During COVID, they stayed in New Zealand, yep. spent time with family. New Zealand wasn't a bad place in lockdown. But now the world's opened up again. People are saying, no, I want, yeah. I want out and I want to go to a place that's warmer. The grass looks better over that side of the ditch. Yeah. And so we're seeing that. So one of the articles that I've written of late, in fact, I wrote it while I was traveling. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, the, the grass is greener syndrome. Yes, it is. Um, but it's nothing different to what it's always been, is it? I mean, Correct. you know, they're saying oh, the brain drain, but it's always happened every year. It happens, doesn't Correct. it? Correct. Now, well, actually, you may recall that when John Key came into power, he said he wanted to reverse it. Mm. He reversed it a touch for a, a small period of time, but he did stymie the flow. But the fact is, you know, you were, the reason I'm talking about this this article and what we were doing here is the fact you talked about this seven-year cycle. Well, it kind of feels like this migration thing mm-hmm, is yeah. a cycle because there have been periods of time where we export a lot of human capital offshore. And then there are periods of time where it wanes. Yes. But at the moment, it's full on. And we're losing a lot of people. And part of, I guess, what we were wanting to get people thinking about is that the – that syndrome, the grass is greener. A lot of people don't factor in. They don't factor in all the true costs and what they're leaving exactly. behind when they move. Yep. So I've met a lot of friends that tell me, "Hey, I am going to take a gig in the Middle East for five years, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to be debt free, and I'm going to have cash in the bank." Well, they return home. They are very well tanned. They've had an amazing bunch of European holidays every year. They've accumulated only a fraction of what they thought they would because despite there being no income tax in some of these jurisdictions where people go to, the cost of living is actually far greater than they thought. And also, like a magpie chasing shiny things, there are a lot of really cool things on your doorstep Mm. that you can do. So, you know, being at the bottom of the world here, you can't go and see the pyramids in the weekend. You can't fly to Zurich and go skiing. You can't be in Chamonix in the Swiss in the French Alps. You can't go to Bordeaux for the weekend. The, and so what, what what I'm seeing is that a lot of the people that, when they actually make the decision to move for the grass is greener, that syndrome that we're talking about, they actually find that, well, we find that they actually haven't done a lot of planning and a lot of it has been on hearsay. And they've actually left a fair bit behind. Mm. I wonder, um, economics 101. Yes. You know, often people say, well, hey, look, I can go to work in Australia. Let's, let's, let's just make up an example. I mm-hmm. don't know what the facts are, but, you know, I might say, look, I can get a job at McDonald's flipping burgers for 30 bucks an hour. Yes. You know, why doesn't New Zealand pay 30 bucks an hour to keep people here? It comes down to underlying productivity, which we spoke about mm-hmm. earlier in this discussion, in this show today. And that is that you cannot, have, say, gross domestic product or productivity per citizen sitting at, say, I don't know, $50,000 here and at $70,000 in Australia and expect people to be paid the same amount in wages because mm. the money 
is simply not there. Mm. Conversely, if we go to, say, South Africa, you know, another one of the kind of our, um, you know, kind of Antipodean buddies, our rugby nations, their productivity is much less than ours. So it would be like someone sitting in Durban in South Africa saying, how come I can't be paid the same amount as someone working in Wellington, New Zealand? Mm. Well, the fact is the productivity is just not there. Uh, and human capital will always migrate. So I always think about like friends who have moved to Sydney. From Sydney, they move to Canada. And from Canada, they move to the States. So they're always moving mm. to a, um, a larger river, more flow, more money. But with that comes a higher cost of living. And they leave behind a lot of things that you know, that you and I get to enjoy, Ken, such as I yep. can drive to the office in the morning in six and a half minutes yes. with no traffic. Indeed. Twelve and a half if there's traffic. Well, having just you know, having just been to those cities that I mentioned before, you know, the, the traffic in those cities is phenomenal. Mm. You know, a commute of like here's the story. So I bought some maple syrup from Quebec. Um I bought three jars, sorry, three tins so they didn't break and I bought them back. And I said to the guy so where do you – he's like the retailer, the man that actually made it, lovely, lovely gentleman. He said, well, I, I commute an hour and a half each way mm. uh, to come and sell this in the city of Montreal. And I said to him, whoa. Um, I said, well, what's the traffic like? And he said, oh, it, just, it is what it is. Mm. So would I swap my six and a half minutes on a Sunday <laughs> versus his hour and a half? No chance. Right. But would the same person on the same labor be paid the same amount? No. He's paid more in Montreal than we are paid in Hastings. Yeah. I wonder if you analysed it, Nick, and, and you might have already done it. Mm. Um, if you analyse the actual true cost of, say, I don't know, living on a Gold Coast uh, with an, an average job and living here, has anyone analysed and said, well, the grass isn't really any greener because when you work out just what you've been saying, yes, okay. you know, it takes you an hour and a half to get to work, whereas it's taking you six minutes. Yeah. Yes, there have been studies done on that. It just depends on how deep you want to go, and it also depends on what stage and phase you are uh, at in your life. So a retiree who's debt-free going to live mm -hmm. on the Gold Coast – that is very, very different than someone who's 35, who's has no no capital um, behind them yet. They're in their accumulation phase, whereas the retiree is in the decumulation phase. So it depends on what cohort one is looking at. Mm -hmm. But generally, when you're looking at a family, a family that moves to these jurisdictions, they often find that they have to have private medical care yep. because they are not covered by the mm -hmm. state that they're moving to because they're not a citizen of that country. Many Kiwis are now finding this out. Um, but also there are things like um, the cost of housing, of renting, wasn't as cheap as they thought. Mm. And at the moment you've got, for example, the you know searches for properties in Australia at the moment, particularly around that kind of Brisbane Gold Coast, it's kind of fever pitch and it's soared 70% this year. Mm. And, you know, there's reports that tenants are offering to pay six months rent in advance so they can jump the queue and secure the house, mm, wow. secure the t um, rental property. That's not what people have been saying when they when they leave. Right. They're saying, no, 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 the rent's cheap over there and it's really hard over here. I haven't heard of anyone here who's making a down payment of six months to secure a rental property. <laughs> so it kind of you know, it gets you thinking. But So going back to those studies, um, um, newspapers like The Economist have for many years run these studies. Um, looking at cohorts of people, those with children, those without, and what is the true cost of being in a city. There is no doubt that um, a city like Auckland is quite expensive mm. because of the commute and the fact that housing has 
is incredibly expensive um, and has actually far surpassed the um, property price appreciation over the last 10 years of almost any developed world country. Why do you think we buy into the hype? You know, everywhere, buy into the everywhere, hype. You, but we buy into the hype that you know, Australia is a lucky country. We buy into that, don't we? we? We buy into just like that. We think, yeah, it's the lucky country. We're going over there. Um, it's always yeah. been called the lucky country, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, it has. Well, it was a lucky country because for, a, well, economically speaking, and as a financial advisor, Australia dodged the bullet on recession twice during my period of studying economics. So when I mean studying economics, when the first time that I actually got to sit down and learn about economics was in third form, which is now, what do they call it, year nine. Yeah. So if I think about that, that's over a 35-year period. I remember studying it. Australia was a lucky country because New Zealand entered recession a few times, and Australia just kept dodging mm. the bullet. Now, it dodged the bullet on the basis that just its commodity cycle yes, for its because uh, it's very mineral rich, mm. or it uses it. So, just going to explain. Everyone knows that Australia is mineral rich. Most people think New Zealand is not mineral rich. That's actually false. Yes, we are yeah. mineral rich. We just don't. We don't utilise ours because we're a little bit of the greener variety of global citizen. Mm. Whereas the Australians, if they can box it, sell it, send it on a ship overseas, they do. Whereas, whereas we don't. <laughs> yeah, we, we we prefer our pristine bush. Now, you've been in the uh, financial business for 35 years, yep. uh, your family and yourself, and I, I wonder, times are looking a bit grim out there, and I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, he's just recently sold his house and yes. buying another house and not getting what he was expecting yes. to get. Uh, I, I wonder, uh, what sort of advice are you giving at the moment to people who are thinking of either one, investing in the share market, I mean, yep. that's looking a bit flat, houses yep. are falling, Bitcoin's falling. Yep, um, your bonds are falling. Yeah, uh, art and cars, are they falling still? Uh, yeah. Everything's yep. falling. Every- Everything's gone soft. Even gold has gone soft. Yeah. Can you believe that? Exactly. So, but you know, everything had been quite well pumped up prior. Mm-hmm. Again, it comes back to the fact that you want to have a diversified portfolio and not have all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. In other words, not just owning gold bars buried under the lemon tree in the back of the garden. <laughs> you actually, you want to have a diversified portfolio. But so what I'm saying to people is that, look, the underlying earnings of the companies are fine. They're, you know, they haven't fallen out of bed. They're not shooting the lights out. They're just fine. The, you know, there are, there are no current defaults on any bonds. You know, anything that's got a high credit quality is just fine. So you sit there and you go, well, if the price of the bond has declined and, you know, everyone's making their interest payments, then the opportunity for someone buying a bond today, the forward looking expected return is greater today than it was at Christmas. And yet the weird part is that after a little bit of volatility, and assets declining in value, people are like, oh, no, I don't really want to own any of those. And yet the forward-looking expect return's never been better. Mm. It'd be like, Ken, if you'd been hunting to buy a Hastings residential property to rent out and the prices come back by, say, 10%, and you say, well, because it's back 10%, I'm really, really nervous now, Nick. I was really happy at Christmas. Um, you know, because everyone said it was a great thing to do. But now that it's come back 10%, I'm just really nervous and don't want to make it happen. Whereas I would say to you, well, look, if you really, really wanted to buy that residential rental, when the prices come back, the forward-looking expected return is higher. Mm. So you should proceed with your acquisition. And the other aspect, Ken, is that if you're relatively young and you're a fit and able human being, you're going to live until your 90s. You've got plenty of runway. 
And when I mean runway, I mean your investment journey is long. Yeah. So therefore, you sure. can you can afford to look into the abyss today of market volatility and say, you know what? When people are fearful, I can be greedy. Yeah, too right. Now, you mentioned before we came to wear that uh, you've been on a bit of a trip overseas to Canada. And uh, the attitude of the Canadians in general is mm. much, uh, much more up. They're, yes. know, they're confident. Why are they confident and we're not? So they had a very strict lockdown like we did. This was actually a little bit longer. Um, but the fact is they, they came out of it much more aggressively than we did and quite some time ago in comparison to us. Their systems and structures around COVID were well and truly dismantled. So everything was just vibrant. Mm. Um, people were upbeat. They were making things happen. COVID doesn't really come up in discussion mm. with them uh, unless you ask them about it. You know, it was difficult to get a booking at a restaurant. You had to book in advance. It was just really, really refreshing. Mm. Um, you know, not many mask wearers on aeroplanes. Um, yeah, and, you know, bearing in mind, they have just come through summer, yep. which is great. So they've just, you know, had a nice summer. We're very much looking forward to ours here. And hopefully it'll be a bit of a spiritual and mental uplift for many Kiwis. But, yeah, it was just there's a there's a polarity there. So the because I was fortunate to spend some time in Austin, Texas, you know that kind of live music scene on yeah. the street. It was all going mm. off. Yeah. And again, the other thing, you know, because I, you know, in my former life, I I actually have a property degree. Um, you know, studied to be a valuer. Um, never proceeded through to valuation, but I'm always thinking, often think about property when I just walk around, and there were no vacancies. Mm. Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, and Austin. No vacancies. Mm. Yeah, there was the occasional office vacancy that you see, but you know the previous times that I've been in some of those jurisdictions, there were vacancies. But I'm talking like nothing on a street retail level where things were boarded up. Mm. And that was just so refreshing. It's so good to see people engaged and making it happen. And um, so, hey, if that's where we're going to head to shortly, that would be just awesome. Is the light on at the end of our tunnel? Yeah, it is. It is. Is it Look. bright? <laughs> is it getting brighter? I don't know how far through the tunnel we are, Ken. That's right. No, no, look. Um, it's, it's, it's that old saying, it's like, you know, every day that you're going through winter, each day you clock a, you know, you put a cross through that calendar, that, that date on the calendar, you're another step closer to spring mm-hmm. and sunshine and warmth. And it's just like that with what we're going through at the moment. You know, markets are an incredible price of information. And as I talked before about with what happened in the UK over the last five days, that shocked the markets and it was a, mm. because it's like an unorthodox policy and people are like, oh, we don't like things that are unorthodox. We yeah. just want the normal. That's right. And then the markets like take a little bit of time to digest what's happening. But each day that we move through, we're one, you know, we're one day closer to the other side because we always have to remember there is a positive return on capital. Mm. That is called capitalism and capitalism has, that is a foundation to how humans work. Yeah, absolutely. Just about out of time, I just wanted to just, uh, if you can give a, a short reply to this one. Um, and I believe we live in a paradise right here in New Zealand. And yeah. if someone comes to says to you, look, Nick, I'm out of here. The grass is greener over there. What, what bit of advice might you give them? Don't burn all the ships in the harbour. Always have the ability to come back. Because more often than not, things aren't greener on the other side the grass might look greener but it doesn't taste as sweet Mm. and there are a lot of people that do look back and say wow a little bit like a marriage they Mm. look back and go i just should have tried harder 
because the other aspect is that a lot of people run away from things and they you know they they flip between jobs they flip between jurisdictions they flip between countries they sadly move between marriages mm. and the fact is that you know if you never really give it a go and you never really put your feet down and you know grow some roots that's that's a real shame and the other one is that you know because we're financial planners and I'll often say to people what is the financial plan so if you're going to go and work in China, Australia, Singapore, wherever, if you have a plan on why you're doing it and there's some fiscal discipline behind it and you're going to make it work, that is awesome. Because you know what? When people move to New Zealand, like when my ancestors, when my Scottish ancestors moved here, there was no going back. Mm, exactly. Okay? Like they, they could only afford the boat ride once. Mm. And with my Māori ancestry, you know, my Naitahu ancestry, mm-hmm. well, when they set sail... <laughs> and, and around the 10th That's century, right. they, um, yeah. you know, that was the plan. Yeah. Whereas at the moment, you know, like I, you know, I just, you know, really hope that people do give proper planning and consideration to what they're doing because, and and with a margin built in because, you know, if you're working out that you're moving from one role to the other and you're moving to another jurisdiction, what's the elasticity mm. in the plan if things don't quite work? Like yeah. the rental accommodation is 30% more expensive. The private medical care that you didn't realise that you needed mm. is actually a lot more expensive to get. It's those things that are really important, and that's having, having that's when you need to do very good due diligence on the transition and move. And that's not going to a blog site where there are blogs from 2014 or 15 saying about... I'm talking stuff, current, modern seeking really sage advice from people who have lived it and experienced it before. Just about out of time we are, in fact, out of time. Just uh, remind our listeners, Nick, we want some sound financial advice. Where do we get it? You come to us at 204 Academy Road. That's the Black Basalt Stone Building with the Tartan logo. Or you can come and visit us on the terrace in Wellington. <laughs> <laughs>